Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Dop Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you today learning Tractate Givamot, page 63, although we actually will begin at the bottom of 62b and continue on to the top of 64a uh, in uh, thematic material, all of which surrounds the question of marriage. The Talmud thinks that marriage is a virtually an absolute necessity for all people, uh, although Certainly, the Talmud will talk today about uh, difficult marriages as well as uh, as well as good ones. And the Talmud will, being an ancient book, mostly with the ancient assumptions and not what we would call feminist assumptions, will sometimes say some things that will strike modern people as not quite misogynistic, but not very gentle either. First, let's begin with the commandment to get married. Now, we modern people tend to prize freedom above all else. We think that autonomy is a, a key minimum for living a, a good life. You have to be in control of your own life. And so we tend to react negatively when people say, oh, everyone has to get married. We're aware that unmarried people can sometimes feel bad about that. And we, there's no need to uh, worsen their, their feeling uh, by, by saying, oh, everybody must, 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 must get married. And also we are aware that sometimes uh, societies can press upon people bad marriages, which are not great choices. In all events, ancient people didn't really think in those terms. Ancient people thought about what we might call the natural history of the human animal. They thought that everybody had to be married. Lo tov heyot adam levado, says the Bible. It is not good for people to be alone. And so at the bottom of 62b, we read here in the Talmud, Amar Ravi Tanchum, Amar Ravi Chanilai, those rabbis said, Kol Adam she'en lo isha sharui belo simcha, belo bracha, belo tova. Any man who lives without a woman, lives without joy, lives without blessing, lives without goodness. And it goes on to to uh, uh, explain why each of those things is true. And it says that sex is a, is a critical part of marriage. It says that whenever Rabbi Yosho ben Levi says, Chayav adam lifkot et ishto laderech. Every man must quote-unquote visit that is to say, have sex with his wife before he goes out on a journey, because it's hard to be alone, and we assume that togetherness is a key feature of what it is to be a human being. Again, we modern people bristle, perhaps, at, uh, at saying that everybody should get married, just uh, period, end of sentence. Uh, but it's also true that we appreciate very much, you know, how uh, one of the most cited statements in modern Jewish thought is Martin Buber's claim that all living is meeting. It's all about relationship among human beings. Certainly romantic relationship, erotic relationship, is not the one and only kind of valuable relationship, but it is a deeply intense relationship. And marriage, marriage is also an ethical relationship, the promise to stand beside somebody, you know, through thick and through thin, in goodness and in health. This is certainly one of the most important things that people can do. Uh, our page on 63a will make the incredibly bold statement that uh, a man who is not married is not even enonikra adam, is not even called a human being. Chas uh, v'chalila, that unmarried people should feel that they are uh, less than fully human, 
But there's actually, in this teaching by Rabbi Elazar, a deep statement about the human animal. Uh, it says that the human animal was created, Adam, the human animal, was created both male and female, and so a real full human life includes both male and female. Now, obviously, most readers of this blog or listeners to these podcasts has a different approach to homosexuality than the Talmud did, and so that statement that one must be in heterosexual uh, relationship is obviously not going to work for all people, but it is a statement, I think, about the fullness of human life and the fact that that a heterosexual relationship in, without medical intervention can also produce new life, which is certainly at the top of the rabbi's uh, priority list. And that priority is given the most full expression in rabbinic literature at the very bottom of 63b and into the top of 64a, where it uh, where it is taught, uh, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Kol Misha Ein Osek Bafirya Uriviya, anybody who does not attempt to reproduce, Kiilu Shofech Damim, is considered like a murderer. For it says in Genesis 5 in the Noah story, Shofech Dam Adam Ba'adam Dam Shofech, one who spills human blood shall have his own blood be spilled by human hands. Uchtiv Batre, and the very next thing that is written is, to the statement to Noah, Vatem pru uruvu, you should be fruitful and multiply, umilu et and fill up the earth. The passage goes on, Rabbi Yaakov Omer, actually, it's probably a mistake, uh, parallel versions have Rabbi Akiva. Uh, Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi Yaakov, one of them says, Ki'ilu mima et hadmut, somebody who does not have children, it is as if they shrink the divine image. Shene'emar, kibetzelem Elohim asat adam, because in that same Noah story, it says that the uh, that the human being was created in the divine image, and the very next thing it is written is vatem pru uravu. You should be fruitful and multiply, and fill up the earth. This last statement is particularly rich in meaning that the divine image is 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 part of human beings. Uh, I think the safest way to translate the idea that God created the human beings in the divine image in rabbinic literature, in the time of the rabbis, does not refer, as Maimonides would later have it, to our powers of rationality, or as different thinkers would have it, as our powers of free will, our powers of moral discernment, our power to love, any of those things. It doesn't refer to a soul. Rather, in rabbinic literature, the idea is not that God created the human being in the divine image, bearing divine characteristics, it's rather that human, God created human beings as the divine icon, just like a human king, human ruler, might make a statue so that people would look upon that statue and think of the ruler, and it would conjure the ruler's presence, so to speak. The rabbis understand the human body as being like a statue, that whenever you see it, you think about God. That's a tremendous moral and, and spiritual theological idea that human beings stand for God. And whenever anybody, whenever you see a human being, you should think thoughts of the master of the world. And just think of the kind of, of ethics and care that would inspire in you. There are a number of midrashim, and really our passage is one that suggests that when you hurt a human being, it's like destroying a statue. Uh, our passage suggests that when you uh, refuse to have children, refuse to try to have children, of course it's not always in your control, if you refuse to try to have children, it's like you're saying, you know what, I don't really think the world needs any more uh, references to God. I don't think the world needs any more reminders of sanctity. 
Uh, no, the opposite is true. The rabbis want all uh, human beings at their best to say, I need to fill up the world with reminders of sanctity. We may think the world in 2014 is overpopulated with 7 billion people. It was certainly not the case. Uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, they, they mostly struggled to have enough uh, people to keep society going. And so they assumed that every good human being who believed in God and kept to God would want to fill up the world with more uh, images of the divine. Now, our passage goes on in a super interesting comment that Shimon ben Azai comes along and he, he concurs with this last view. He says that, that to fail to try to have children is, is both like murder and it's like mima'et et hadzmut. It's like shrinking the divine image. But then the, the other rabbis come on and say, excuse me, Mr. ben Azai, you are yafed doresh or na'ed doresh ve'enon na'emekayem. You speak well, but you don't act well. See, it seems that ben Azai was himself celibate. That's not something that the Talmud thinks is good. So he could talk a good game, and he could, he could explain why it was important to have children, but he didn't do it himself. Now, the rabbis don't really accept this. On the one hand, ben Azai is praised as being a passionate Torah student. He says, I, I'm sorry, I just can't, I don't have room in my life to have a relationship with a human woman because nafshi chashkaba Torah. I just love Torah so much I have no room in my life for a human-loving relationship. That is not an adequate Jewish response. You can't love books so much that you don't love people. And then he says something else, which is probably even worse. Let other people take care of building the world. That's, that's also not a dignified way for a, a Jew who should be God's partner in filling the world with sanctity to behave. The rabbis reject this as a path. And by the way, in their time and place, they knew of arguments for celibacy. Paul, in the Christian book, of 1 Corinthians basically praises celibacy, and Jesus' disciples in the, uh, in the book of Matthew uh, are praised for celibacy. Jesus calls them uh, eunuchs for the sake of heaven. The rabbis don't believe in eunuchs for the sake of heaven. The rabbis believe in parents for the sake of heaven. You should be parents for God and raise up more children and more life in the world. As the page will go on to say at the top of 64a, uh, if there's not enough people, if there's not 22,000 people, which the rabbis take to be the minimum community of Israel, what's God going to rest on? Trees and rocks? The wilderness lovers might say, yeah, God can rest on trees and rocks, but the rabbis don't believe it. The rabbis believe that God rests mostly in the human community of Israel, which tries to fill up the world with, with sanctity and with ethics and with wisdom. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.